Welcome to the Raw Talk Project. My name is Ainsley. I'm from central Queensland and have created this space to share and bring to you raw conversations with a wide variety of inspiring everyday people. We have all experienced the highs, the lows, the tough and the successful events life throws at us. For that, we all have a unique story to share. When you stand and share your story in an empowering way, your story will heal you and your story will heal somebody else. Welcome to another episode of the Raw Talk Project. This week's episode is with Jordan Meehan. He's going to share his journey from being a tiler to a support worker and co-founder of Walk and Talk in Rockhampton. Thank you so much for joining and allowing us to hear your inspiring story. Jordan, would you mind telling the listeners a bit about yourself? Hey guys, thanks for having me on today. Um, I appreciate it, firstly. Yeah, so obviously born and um, bred in Rockhampton, lived here my whole life. Grew up in what you would say would just be, you know, your normal average family kind of thing. Grew up playing a lot of sport, all, all codes of um, footy, so rugby league, rugby union, touch footy. That was pretty much my life growing up. As a young person, went to states and national titles for um, most codes. So, yeah, growing up, I my dream was to be a um, professional NRL player, I guess you could say. Um, so, yeah, I went through school and leaving school, um, kind of didn't know what I wanted to do because essentially sport was it. And I um, probably around that year 12 kind of stage, I guess you could say I got a little bit, of, little bit lost from sport and um, it wasn't going to be a thing after school, like professionally. So I started tiling and done tiling for roughly, like I done my apprenticeship from about 17 uh, for four years and then tiled on for a couple more years before starting my own business. So yeah, tiling probably wasn't a thing that I really liked from the start. It was more that um, mum and dad said, you know, get a job, get an apprenticeship when you leave school, just make something, I guess, of yourself. So that's where um, a mate's dad had a tiling business and he just said to me, oh, well, you know, I'll give you a trial, see how you go. So yeah, that, that's how that all kind of happened. And then, yeah, I was working for another guy and his contract ended. So I decided to um, start my own business and I was only pretty young. I was probably in my in my mid twenties, I guess you could say when I started off. Yeah, that was pretty eventful um, working for myself as a tiler. Pretty young, pretty immature, was still enjoying, like I guess you could say, that party life, wasn't ready to really grow up. So yeah, I I learned, I guess you could say, I learned a bit and I feel like I failed more than I learned um, through that. And um, a lot of it was, you know, through that immaturity, I guess you could say, and, and just not actually knowing how to run a business. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about money. I didn't even know how to manage my money, to be honest. So yeah, it was quite a learning curve and definitely very stressful i think at one stage i had about nine employees which in rockhampton that's a fair bit you know in a built in a construction team so i was probably one of the biggest companies in rocky to be honest tiling and i had a few good a few big contracts um at the time but like i said i didn't know how to manage anything i didn't even know how to manage my staff and to be honest i didn't know how to manage myself so very stressful through that time i kind of probably got myself caught up with taxation. So fell behind in tax, fell behind with work, probably affected my relationship with my family as well. Um, even to the stage that you could say I was almost bankrupt. Yeah, I become quite lost. That's where I guess you could say my um, mental health started to decline majorly. And being a tradesman, I um, I kind of masked those emotions. And that's where I guess you could say I turned to the party scene 
partied a lot on weekends, would drink through the week. Um, and that was kind of just an escape from the reality of life and actually really, really struggling. Being quite young still, I didn't know how to express how I felt. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know who to talk to. And yeah, it's like I said, it's a massive stigma, I feel, um, in the construction side of things with men and mental health, you know. So yeah, I kind of guess that was kind of the start on the journey um, that I'm going to lead you on to now after tiling. So I was in a position where I was pretty broke and I was pretty broken. I decided to go to the mines and I thought by going to the mines, you know, I'd be happy or uh, my life would be better. So I went out to the mines um, and I was out there for roughly about a year and a bit. And through that time, I guess things worsened. Um, I had a big debt that I was paying off at the time through the ATO and I was tiling every day that I was home that I wasn't at the mine so I could pay back these debts and keep my house and somewhat keep my relationship stable. So I ended up um, working at the mines and just from the day one, I just was unhappy. I remember um, calling my mum from a mining donger through the week in the middle of the night and I just was crying like, I guess say I was crying, I had tears, and I just said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm out here. I do have somewhat of a goal because I've dug myself a little bit of a hole and I obviously want to get out of it. And I'm one of those guys that's pretty proud. And I guess you could say a bit of a perfectionist. So I didn't want to be a failure. So I actually worked at the mines that whole year and a bit. And then obviously, like I said, I worked every day that I was home just to get myself out of the hole. But through that time, you could say my mental health worsened because I wasn't practicing any self-care. I wasn't doing anything for myself. It was just work, work, work and um, pay all the bills. So, yeah, through that time, I was engaged, um, ready to be married. And myself and my partner ended up breaking up about three months before our wedding. And that was why while I was out there. So I guess you could say that added to even more stress that I was going through and a lot of unhappiness. And I guess I didn't know really who I was as a person. I didn't really have an identity. Um, I trialed all these things that I didn't like. I was going through like a failed relationship. I felt like a failure with money. Um, So yeah, I had a lot going on. And it wasn't until three quarters of the way through my journey at the mines that I was chatting to another driller. So I was drilling out the mines at the time. And it's a pretty lonely game. And I'm the type of person that likes to be around people. I'm used to being in team sports. Um, I'm used to being around friends. I'm just very social. And the person I am is a social person. So he said, um, yeah, drilling's a lonely game for like someone, especially someone like yourself who's kind of out there and outgoing. He said, what do you do while you're in the drill? And I said, I just listen to music and um, drill away, I guess, and think a lot and not a lot else happens out here. And he said, oh, well, have you ever listened to podcasts? And I was like, nah, that's honestly really weird. I don't know anyone that talks about podcasts or listens to podcasts. I said, I don't know how people do that. So I thought, oh yeah, maybe I'll give these podcasts a go. And through that time, like I said, I was really struggling. Um, Didn't know the direction I was going in, was going through the breakup, didn't have a lot of money and thought I might give these a go. So I turned toward um, like self-help podcasts and listened to like people who I found influential, um, people who I guess you could say I found relatable to. So I started listening to these podcasts and I guess you could say I found some purpose from them and I 
felt like these were normalizing how I feel because it was people that were talking real talk um, and it was raw. So I felt like I had a connection even though I was so isolated. So, yeah, through these podcasts, they probably are what actually helped me um, get up and get going a lot of days and nights that I felt isolated and lonely at the mines. And also I felt like I learned a fair bit from them. So moving forward, um, I continued for the next few months and thought, you know, maybe I'm in the wrong game. Maybe I should be working with people or helping people. Um, I, I find it really interesting. Um, so I come along one night shift. Um, my mum called me and she was up the hospital. And my dad had had a heart attack. And previously, dad had already had two heart attacks in which he had a triple bypass when I was up in Townsville actually playing football. So I'm a bit of like a family person and I've always been really, really close with my family. So I thought, um, yeah, I can't be here. So I rang my supervisor at the time and I parked my drill up, jumped in my car and drove back to Rocky. So I was working out at Middlemount um, for all those people that know central Queensland. I was working at the mines out there. So I was about a three hour drive to Rocky. So I drove in pretty much as fast as I could um, and arrived at the hospital to see dad. And he ended up being all right. So everything moving forward was pretty good. So we were pretty lucky there. But I was very concerned that that was it for dad, um, seeing as though that he's had a few heart attacks and, you know, anyone could be his last. So after that, I decided that the mines just weren't for me. I just couldn't go back. Um, the company that I worked for were really supportive. But I just felt like... Yeah, I just felt like it wasn't for me. I was way too unhappy. It wasn't really, I guess you could say financially it was helping me, but money isn't everything. And I used to be so money driven that, you know, through these times I realised there's more to life than trying to earn money and make that a happiness. So a mate of mine, um, his mum was working with um, youth as a support worker, so in these child safety houses. And she reached out to me and said, I've heard that you've come back into the mines and um, I think that you'd be a really good worker. She said, I recall that when my son was one of your employees um, and he was going through some tough times that you were really supportive and um, I was really thankful for that. And um, I'd more or less like to offer you a job. And so I said, well, yeah, by all means, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And she said, that's fine. We'll train you up. So I end up starting a job as a residential support worker. And I guess you could say it was probably life changing for me. And it's been the biggest purpose in my life, um, supporting other young people who I guess didn't grow up um, in a life like I had. So even though I was going through a breakup financially, I was probably getting on top financially um, by this stage. Yeah, I felt like, well, these children didn't know that I had my own battle. So through supporting them and hearing their stories and just their struggles and just being there for them, I thought, you know what, everything that I've been through for me is quite bad and, and difficult and I've really struggled. But what I've gone through is nothing compared to what these young kids have gone through. And it just made me look at life through a different lens. And to be honest, even though they seem like their life was falling apart. I found a bit the same. So they're probably the best support network um, that I felt like I had at the time. And I learned so much from these kids um, and they would have learned a fair bit from me. So 
yeah, I guess you could say I felt a calling um, in life and I followed it. And yeah, it happened to be um, working with vulnerable kids and something that I never thought um, would ever happen. So that's kind of where um, where my journey ended up after the mines. And I started to do some study um, with the job and just learning more around like um, human behavior, um, trauma, mental health, um, and just life in general. So along the path, I've done a fair bit of study and also learn about myself. I thought if I'm going to be supporting these young people, I need to know who I am as a person. I need to find my identity because, you know, it'd be a bit crap if, you know, my life's kind of continuing to fall apart. Meanwhile, I'm trying to stay strong for these other young people. So it was time for me to probably dust myself off and um, start to live with some purpose and find some purpose in life. So yeah, that's where I continued my path and study and um, continued working with kids and then fell into like a management role um, pretty quickly. Yeah, as much as it was enjoyable, I felt like being on the floor was probably my strength. So, you know, being person to person more than sitting behind a computer in an office. So, yeah, through all that, I guess I continued to grow in life and my mental health, I guess you could say, was a little bit up and down. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not the only one. I have plenty of friends that are struggling, family members. So I lost a grandfather um, to suicide. That was actually when I was in the womb. So I never actually got to meet my grandfather, but that was something that mum went through uh, three, four months prior to when I was born. So for some reason, I always felt some like weird connection to my grandfather, even though I never knew him. Just something in the back of my mind felt like I guess I knew him. And I wanted to know more about mental health and I guess why men and why people are choosing to um, end their battle with life. So at that time, um, I was struggling a little bit and I was trying, obviously finding a little bit more about myself, who I was. Then my dad started to struggle with his mental health and um, was diagnosed with depression after retiring. And um, I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm losing my father after my mum's already lost her dad. So that's when I guess you could say a lot of things clicked for me and I thought it's time to be a voice for the people that feel like they can't be a voice and um, to maybe start a movement in Rockhampton because currently I feel like there's nothing and there's lots of men that are struggling and they don't know where to go for help, they don't know who to talk to and suicide rates are just crazy through the roof. So, yeah, that's kind of where... That's the journey of my life, I guess you could say, to where it is now. I'm continuing work as a support worker, Walk and Talk. Um, that's the charity that I'm part of and that I have started um, with another mate, Chris Bennett, here in Rockhampton. So that's on a journey um, further than what we probably anticipated. We're currently in the process of becoming a non-for-profit and hopefully making um, a bit more out of it in our community and supporting the men of the community and offering a little bit more because obviously these regional towns really struggle and through what we're doing so far it just proves that it's that it works so every three weeks we hold um, walks we have a free barbecue and a coffee van comes up so the coffee's all free the barbecue's free and these are all donated from businesses around the community and men can come and connect it's a safe place for them to chat to get something off their shoulders Uh, If there's something that they don't want to talk about, they don't have to, but they know it's a safe place for them to connect with other men of the community. And currently, um, on average, we're getting about 30 men every three weeks attend these, and it's just rising. So, 
Yeah, that's kind of where my journey's at now. Things are looking pretty bright. Still obviously struggle with my mental health, um, but I feel like through the work I've done and through speaking to men in the community, um, it's definitely helped me. And that's kind of where Walk and Talk also has come from. I feel like the more us men talk about how we feel, the better we do feel. So, yeah. Thank you. It gives me goosebumps listening to you tell your story, all of the work that you're doing now. And I guess explaining how you have gotten to the position you're in now shows that you're only human. Just like the rest of us, you have gone through and still go through your own battles and are waking up every day putting one foot in front of the other, putting a smile on your face, but also allowing you to have your down days or when you're not feeling your best, that knowing that that's okay. Having those mechanisms in place where you can support yourself or go and do what you need to do to get yourself in a better headspace. Do you want to explain, I guess, to listeners when you aren't in the right headspace, what's your go-to to put that one foot in front of the other? Yeah, definitely. And um, not just men either, like obviously female, like we all struggle and I think we all struggle to identify that. So the biggest thing for me is obviously I used to turn to alcohol and recreational party drugs. Um, that was something that used to numb a lot of um, of my feelings and what was going on, where now um, I think movement has been the biggest thing for me, getting up off the couch, going to a gym. I like places that have views. So I love the place like Mount Archer. You know, you can just be one with what's going on around you. You can kind of escape the reality a little bit. But, yeah, the biggest thing for me, I feel, is movement. So getting out there and moving, um, not staying still in the place that you're at. It's also good, though, I feel, like to stay still. But that's only if you're kind of processing what's going on and not trying to push it away. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing for us as men and people is movement. And it's been the biggest thing for me. And um, I spoke on a podcast recently, which I've been doing personal development lately, and a guy that I'm doing it through, he said to me, and it's really stuck with me, that us as men, for us to open up and us to feel better and I guess you could say be more aware We when we move or when we're sitting um, side by side with men, we seem to open up a lot more. So like when we're at war, we were always side by side. When we're in a pub, we're side by side. When we play footy or any sport, it's side by side. And it usually involves some form of movement or at least talking. So yeah, movement and just opening my mouth and talking to people around how I feel and kind of debriefing have been the best things for me. Um, and I feel that have worked. Definitely. And would you ever imagined working in the field that you're in at the moment? No, not really. I guess you could say I had no idea. I was pretty pretty lost. Like up until I was about 28, I was pretty immature too. I actually didn't know or I didn't really have that many goals in life. I kind of, you know, like I said, I was all about sport and footy and then kind of had no other drive had no other idea of where my life led and it wasn't it wasn't until I suffered adversities went through a few things in life went through some struggles and then actually just matured as a person and done a little bit more work around me as a person who I am what my identity looked like um, that I found that so I feel through maturity yes but prior to that Definitely not. It's crazy, isn't it, how we all are obviously on our own journeys and different paths and we all go through varying different things in life, point us in the right direction and where we need to go 
or shape us into the person that we are or the person that we're going to be. What does your future look like in regards to support working, but also with the walk and talk side of things? Yep, like I'm enjoying the support work and the youth side of things, but I feel that my passion is now extending out to that mental health side of thing, especially men's mental health. Um, it's majorly on the rise. There's currently not a lot of funding for it, but it's something hopefully that they're looking into. So um, currently walk and talk, is hopefully going to become a non-for-profit by early 2024, by the end of this year. Hopefully I can work toward um, some workshops, currently looking at designing programs, being more active in the community, continuing that advocation. So yeah, I guess you could say the future for me is leaning towards the mental health side of things. And obviously with my study that I'm currently doing, and then leaning towards that counselling study as well. For me, it's a no-brainer that that's where I think my journey is going to go to next. It's just a matter of when um, or what that looks like. The company that I am working for currently, they are looking toward that mental health space themselves. And there are another a few other men in the community that um, I do a little bit of work with. Um, so we could be all coming together and just seeing what you know we can do. But yeah, definitely that's where I see my future. Did you want to explain, I guess, to the listeners the studies that you are currently going through for the work that you're doing, just in case anyone was interested in yep. this kind of field of work? Yep. Yeah, yeah, cool. So with the youth side of things, I've done my um, primary in youth and family interventions. So that's kind of like the level that you need to do to uh, work with these young people. And then I'm currently studying mental health. And then hopefully moving on to my counselling diploma in the early next year. So to kind of be in this industry, you know, you've got to at least do like a Cert 4 in your community services, your community sector, uh, those types of things uh, to get a foot in the door. And then obviously so on. Or if you wanted to be um, at that psychology level, that's where you need to um, do your social work degree or psychology degree as well. Thank you. I think it's important just to, I guess, give that advice out to anyone listening in case they were interested in this field of work because it it's always going to be needed and always going to be required, not just locally here but Australia-wide, worldwide too. People out there that just want a little bit more knowledge around mental health or they would just like to help some people or even just, you know, for their own workplace or for their own family, you can do um, your mental health first aid. So if you jump on Google and you type in mental health first aid, there's always courses Australia-wide. It's a couple of hundred dollars. It's a two-day course, and honestly, it's unreal to do. Um, you're then, you then become an accredited um, mental health first aider, um, and technically that gives you like a ticket to be able to support people, and you kind of have a duty of care with that, like a first aid certificate. Um, I think it's something that they need to roll out in more workplaces. Yeah, I think it should almost be mandatory because I think the way the world is and the rise in mental health, I think it just goes hand in hand. So anyone that is looking just to do some mental health work or they just want to be aware or they want to be equipped with some better tools or ways to support their family, the mental health first aid is definitely worth it. And yeah, that's currently something I'm looking into is doing my train the trainer. So I would become a mental health first aid trainer. So that way I can train people in the community um, in mental health first aid as well. That would be awesome if you can go and deliver that because like you had said, it is 
on the rise mental health and it is so important for workplaces to have these embedded you know you have first aid officers and fire wardens embedded in almost every workplace and I bet if you turn to your colleagues that at least and just like the stats say one in five Australians struggle with mental health so if you're working in a team of five there's one out of the five of you that is struggling with some sort of mental health battle so doesn't that say enough that you need a mental health first aid officer within your workplace. Yeah, definitely. And just to add to that, um, some other stats around that are 50% of people in life will go through like a mental health struggle. That doesn't mean they're going to have like depression or anxiety, but like, you know, we lose a loved one. um, We have adversities in life where people actually do struggle mentally for a day or two, or it could be prolonged. Doesn't mean they actually have depression, but they're just going through something. And like those days, people need someone to lean on. So yeah, the stats say one in two people will struggle with mental health throughout their life. And then obviously um, the stats are even higher for for men. So yeah. Definitely. I know you had briefly touched on the non-for-profit stuff for the walk and talk. What will be happening once the non-for-profit stage is up and running? Yep. So um, obviously very early stages, um, only had the meeting last week around what that looked like because we were just going to go with that charity status, I guess you could say. But by going um, non-for-profit, we can obviously deliver more. So currently we just do these walks in the community, but we want to be able to hold more of that space, like I said. So through counselling study that I'm going to do, Um, I can offer, you know, obviously some counselling to men. We can also offer a support work side of things. So like men that maybe potentially come out of prison um, and they've got mental health issues and don't have anywhere to go, you know, we can support them guys with reunification back into the community. Um, NDIS clients that are struggling mental health based, um, our mental health based and on the NDIS scheme, um, we can also support them guys and offer a service to them as well. Um, we can also go to workplaces in the community. Uh, these wouldn't necessarily just be for men, but we can um, speak about mental health. We can educate on mental health. We can run some workshops. We can uh, offer some programming. And we can also just speak to what mental health looks like, you know, support people around self-care. So, yeah, we've got lots of ideas and we're currently in the works, obviously, of seeing what they look like. But these are the kind of things that we have have touched on and um, what we're looking uh, more forward to. Did you mention you were looking at getting into the school systems as well or you already were? Yeah, so um, last week was Mental Health Week. We went to North Rocky High School in Rockhampton and we went to South Rockhampton High School in Rockhampton and we just had a stall set up and just spoke to the students briefly, um, any students that wanted to come up, have a yarn, uh, wanted to know what we're about, wanted to know how they could access us. Yeah, we kind of delivered that to them, but we've also reached out to the schools as well and even more schools in the community around what programs we can offer. So myself and Chris are currently writing up a program for the young people of the community because a lot of young people are lost. And like I said, I kind of, my identity was sport and I feel that sometimes you need a plan B. A lot of young people don't have a plan B. A lot of young people don't always have the support at home that a lot of other um, young people have. So there's a lot more going on in the world than what there used to be. 
and there's also i guess more people are starting to speak um around what that looks like and obviously like i said mental health being on the rise not just for adults but for young people there needs to be more support in school so yeah currently uh, looking at doing some programming that we've been writing up just around uh mental health self-care um and then diving into like respect positive relationships um identity uh exploring values and those types of things so yeah it would be like something that would run over a term and we'd probably come into the school maybe every week or every fortnight and work through that with um, certain students. Watch this space. It sounds very exciting and incredible that you're going out to the schools where I guess for most people it may start, you know, their mental health particularly when they're young and if you can impact them and make a difference from a young age, you never know, I guess, the extent or how far that will go for those kids. Yeah, definitely. And like in the industry that obviously I work in, starting out young is always best and um, educating um, young people from a young age, you're just going to have more positive outcomes and they're just going to be more aware um, of what it's like out there in the world. Like I said, adopting an identity or finding an identity also could be vital for some young people and just being that role model and mentor for people that don't have that. So yeah. Locally, it's incredible to see that there is someone doing something out there for the youth because at the rate that it's going, and I'm sure anyone listening who is local would be in agreement that if the youth are going to continue at the rate that they're going, we're in for even bigger trouble than it already is. Yeah, most definitely. Um, It's pretty crazy out there what's going on, and it's obviously community here is you know, quite bad, but also Australia-wide and obviously what's going on worldwide. So, yeah, I think it's vital for everyone to educate and um, support their children from a young age because um, with what's going on in the world now, it's it, it's quite scary and it's quite scary what our um, children are able to get their hands on and what resources. And speaking back the show my age here now back when i was in school there wasn't really phone or phones come out i was about 15 16 before the nokia 3315 kind of (laughs) come out but um like facebook instagram snapchat all those things were not around so i think social media and the change in the world and has been a massive impact and i think as positive as social media is um, with like reconnecting with family, with friends and all that type of thing. There's also a quite a negative side to it and the impact that it's putting on our children, I feel, um, is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Definitely. I can't wait for you to roll this out into the schools and hopefully be able to provide some mechanisms for parents as well and how to navigate around mental health and the likes because it's yeah it's definitely a a gap there in this day and age for parents to be able to support their kids around mental health because I guess like anyone parents probably avoid it too they don't want to talk about mental health it is such a taboo topic and if they don't address it and ignore it then it's not a problem it's not an issue I think if we can really advocate for the for the kids and tell them that it's okay that they're loved and that you know, we're all going to go through battles in life, hence the Raw Talk project as a whole. I want to be able to advocate and show that we all go through struggles that are different. We all have different journeys in life and that's okay. That's 
what life is about. And if the work that you're doing and implementing mental health programs in schools is going to help kids in the future, then that is fantastic. It shows that people care and that people are putting the mechanisms in place from a young age and setting that example straight. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I agree. And like talking about like raw talk and what you're doing as well, I just think it's another platform that's important um, in the world right now. And with more people turning to podcasts and um, self-help and whatnot, I think the more um, platforms available um, to people that are accessible and that are free also, we're going to have better outcomes for people. So like, you know, as to what I'm doing, but also as to what you're doing through people sharing their stories and um, people being able to pick up on um, what different people say, I think it's um, great for the world and great for our communities and the more communication the more conversations the more people being open and um telling their story or, or talking about what worked and didn't work for them yeah we're going to address some of these major issues not all but hopefully we can um help some people along the way definitely look i'll just start to wrap up a little bit so for the the walk and talk that you are hosting every three weeks is yep. that for 18 plus or is it for all ages yeah, so currently, obviously, they're for 18 plus. And reason being, um, just because some of the conversations that men may need to have, even some of the banter that we do have, you know, um, quite difficult for younger children probably to be there. It's probably not always for their ears, I guess you could say as well. So, yeah, currently it's 18 plus, but that's where we want to utilise that aspect of going into school so so we can um, help the young children out because we are getting asked that often, um, like what we're doing for men is great, but um, these children need those early interventions. So what else can be um, done or what do you have that's available? So that's kind of where that stemmed from, I guess you could say. Brilliant. Thank you so much for explaining that. I thought I would just double check in case anyone wanted to join in as well. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? Uh, I'd probably tell my younger self life is a journey and it's probably going to take some twists and turns. Uh, things are going to happen that you probably don't expect to happen and you can't always plan the path, but you can ride it out. Yeah, I just feel like as a young per as a young kid you kind of don't realize what's out there you've just kind of got to ride with it and hopefully learn on the path yeah what a great way to capture it explains your life in a nutshell yeah definitely <laughs> look thank you so much for joining me for another episode on the raw talk project i really appreciate you coming along and sharing your journey and your experiences and the incredible work that you've got coming up as well for the walk and talk and your career. I think it's fabulous the work that you're doing and I'm so excited to hear how it all goes. And if anyone else out there is listening can support and get behind Jordan and the work that he is doing, jump on board, jump onto socials and check out Walk and Talk and just watch it grow. We cannot wait. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But yeah, we're on um all socials currently. Um so yeah if you jump on uh Facebook or Instagram where walk and talk it's walk and talk if you ever need anything you ever need support you've got any questions you want answered um flick me a message i'll always get back to you at my earliest convenience but yeah i just wanted to um spread my gratitude to you ainsley for um reaching out to me and asked me to come on i was pretty excited to jump on here and 
have a chat. It's been a while. Yeah, who knows what the future holds. Um, yeah, you never know what walk and talk and um, raw talk could come up with. So, yeah, thank you again. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>